everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the Q2 reporting season as we will outline expectations along with share an outlook for U.S. equity market performance and how to think about allocation. Joining me here on the line for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, David, welcome back. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks for having me, Dan. I am looking forward to it as well. Absolutely. So, David, I know this week marks the kickoff of the Q2 reporting season, and in your recent preview note, you do paint a bright picture of what investors should anticipate. So, to start things off, David, can you put some numbers around your expectations as well as outline the factors behind your thesis? I'm mindful as well that consensus expectations are not quite as positive as yours. Yeah, happy to do that, Dan. So, yeah, look, I, I think the overarching, you know, bottom line here is that the environment remains you know, very, very good for for businesses, um, and you know, really, what what's been such a crucial factor here is, has just been how much support the government has poured into the economy since the pandemic began. You know, you know, five to six trillion dollars of uh, of spending from from Congress, you know, not all of that has actually made it into the economy. There's still a lot of cash that is sitting on household balance sheets, um, and obviously, you know what 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 the Fed is doing is is maybe not as directly impactful in terms of earnings and corporate profits. But I mean, clearly, what they're doing is is also helping support the economy recover. So. It's it's just it's just been a, a tremendous amount of of support poured into the economy, and, and then obviously the fact that you know we're we're getting closer to a, a semblance of, of normal um, with with the vaccine rollouts uh, at, at the stage they are. So that's just driving a, a huge uptick in in activity and corporate profits. So I mean we're looking for earnings in the second quarter to to grow eighty percent year over year. And that's that's coming on, you know, just tremendous revenue growth, you know, prob- probably 15 percent or more. Um, so the you know the 80 percent number is is a bit flattered by, or you know, you could even say distorted by the fact that profits were very depressed in the second quarter of 2020. But even still. I mean, this quarter should be a, a new all-time high for quarterly earnings. So, I mean, the strength is is, is very genuine. Um, and as you pointed out, yeah, our we we are we do think that companies will beat earnings expectations. Uh, we're looking for companies to beat them by about fifteen percent. And then now that's down a little bit from the the pace, the the really blistering pace of beats we saw. Over the last couple of quarters, when when earnings were beating by about twenty percent or more, um, but still a, a very very good number. And, and look, I mean, the estimates are just we think are just too conservative. Uh, you know, when you look at numbers for the second quarter, they imply that we're going to see uh, second quarter earnings be lower than the first quarter. I mean, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to us because economic activity is going to be higher in the second quarter than it was in the first quarter. So, um, so yeah, should be, should be another you know, pretty robust 
set of results as, as we go through earnings season. Okay, well, David, thank you for walking us through your thesis and sharing your expectations. Now, during any earnings season, it's always interesting to hear commentary from management teams. So as over the next few weeks, we do hear from management teams outlining their Q2 results. Anything in particular that you'll be looking for? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we want to, you know, just get a handle on on how demand trends are going and um, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, obviously looking at the numbers themselves in terms of the revenues and uh, and and the cost trends. But but as always, the outlook is also going to be uh, just as important, if not more important. And, and, you know, here I do think we have a few. You know, a few areas that we do want to get a little bit more clarity on. Uh, you know, are, are companies seeing anything with respect to uh, the variants, uh, the Delta variant, and the uptick in cases that we are seeing in, uh, really across the country, more pronounced in some areas than others? Uh, are companies seeing any impact from that? Um, you know, by the way, it, it, the early indications are that companies are not seeing anything, um, but as you know, if those case numbers continue to rise, I mean, I think this question is going to continue to be top of mind for investors. Uh, you know, also looking for more uh, guidance on cost trends. I mean, clearly, um, costs have been rising in a number of areas: shipping costs, commodity costs. Uh, you know, it's been it's been very difficult to find uh, workers in in certain industries. Um, so, you know, more clarity there. And by the way, I mean. You know, so far that those cost pressures are not leading to margin profit margin disappointments because as I pointed out earlier, Dan, I mean revenues are growing so quickly they're just offsetting uh, the, the the rise in costs that we are seeing at this point. And, and then you know finally, I mean what, what are companies doing with all the money they're making? Um, are they uh, planning on investing, uh, in other words, uh, ramping up capital spending. Are they planning on raising dividends, uh, increasing buybacks? Uh, you know, we think they can do all three of those, but I, I think, I think we are likely to see a bit more of a, of an increase in investment spending, just given that uh, corporate America is having a hard time keeping up with the the, the very high level of demand. So. You know, more business spending is is good news for uh, for the economy more broadly. So those are those are definitely some of the areas that we are uh, focused on as we as we listen to management teams. A lot of interesting considerations there, David. So thank you for highlighting those for us. And as I pointed out earlier, we are in the early days of reporting. I know within your preview note, you cited how we have seen some early reporters already. In addition to that, we have seen several companies report over the past couple of days. So based on what you've seen in these early days of reporting, David, how have results been measuring up to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, so far, the the results themselves have been pretty much in line with what we've been expecting. In fact, even slightly better. Uh, earnings are coming in 20% uh, better than expected. Revenues are beating by five percentage points. Yeah, you know, for people who don't follow these uh, numbers on a regular basis, I mean, these are just tremendous uh, results that that you you just don't typically see uh, earnings beats of of this magnitude. Um, so you know very strong numbers. The the results so far. I mean certainly this week the the results have really been dominated by the financials and the banks in particular. And I would say the main message we're hearing from banks is that 
consumers are definitely out spending. Um, spending levels are uh, are now above pre-pandemic levels, um, which is good news for the economy. The bad news for banks uh, is that consumers aren't borrowing. Um, so their credit card balances are not going up. And, you know, it, it ties back to the comment I made earlier, how much support the government has provided for the economy. Uh, consumers are still flush with cash and they're tapping into that in order to support their spending. So even though activity levels are high, you know, banks are you know, banks would rather see people uh, take out more loans. That's how they that's kind of their bread and butter in terms of making making money. And so far, we're not seeing that. We do think that'll that'll happen as the recovery matures, uh, but so far we're not. And, and I think that's part of the reason why you've seen a bit of a muted reaction to the bank results. Um, you know, on top of that, uh, interest rates are down over the last month or so, and, and that tends to crimp profitability for the banks. So, you know, it, it's the conditions are uh, for the economy. It seems like are very good. It's just that some of the, the recent trends on interest rates and, and, and borrowing have not been have not been as supportive for, for bank stocks. And that's why you've seen a little bit of a sell off in some of the financials, even though they've been reporting very good numbers. And, and I would say, you know, the handful of companies that have reported outside of financials are, are also telling us a very you know pretty similar message and Pepsi reported uh, stronger than expected revenue growth. Delta Airlines talked about um, you know, the fact that uh, actually you know, leisure travel is, is now back to pre-pandemic levels. You know, there's still obviously business travel and uh, is, is not is not anywhere close to that. But, you know, the, the main message is that consumers are spending and the economic recovery uh, continues. Well, David, thank you for that color, especially with respect to the recent performance of the financial sector. So in terms of positioning against the backdrop that you provided us, being mindful that the momentum in equities has further room to run, you did join us a few weeks ago to reaffirm your preference for value over growth. So, uh, David, does that view remain intact in consideration of some recent broader weakness on the performance within equity markets? So, yeah, it's been a little bit painful uh, on value uh, relative to growth. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think it makes the risk reward here looks more favorable for, for value stocks than it does for growth. So let, let me just hit on, you know, our, our overall uh, market view in a second. And I'll get back to value. Um, yeah, look, I, I think there's still upside for markets here over the next year or so. Our, our price target implies about eight percent upside for the S&P over the next 12 months. And, and that's really just driven by a lot of the things we were just talking about. I mean, consumers are uh, in very good shape um, business. And I think what you're going to see is that businesses are responding to this high level of demand and, and ramping up uh, investment spending that just you know, kind of adds fuel to the fire. Maybe that's not the right analogy, but, you know, it, it adds to, economic growth. And, you know, ultimately, the other crucial factor here is we think the Fed is going to be withdrawing accommodation very slowly. So, you know, not not hitting the brakes in, a, in an abrupt fashion. So that means that economic growth should be you know, fairly strong over, you know, for, for over the next several quarters, at least. Uh, and, and, and that'll drive an, 
an increase in corporate profits and, and higher uh, higher earnings than what the market is currently uh, currently expecting in terms of formal estimates. You know, so that kind of environment this should be this should be a very good environment for value stocks when you have strong economic growth. Value stocks tend to benefit the most because they're the most cyclical or they're more cyclical. Uh, so they're more tied and have more of a direct tie to the economy. And, and therefore, they should generate very strong earnings growth. And we're seeing that. That's coming through. Uh, the reason that value hasn't worked, though, over the last, um, you know, sort of six weeks is I think there's been, you know, really two factors. One is just some fears around the Delta variant. Is this going to lead to any kind of slowdown in the economy? And uh, and also, I think some concerns around inflation and the Fed. So, you know, I, I think for, for for to see a rotation back into value, I think we we will need to see markets get a bit more comfortable with how the Delta variant impacts the economy. I mean, if you look at the UK example, where you've got a highly vaccinated country that is contending with a you know pretty substantial increase in cases. You, you really haven't seen economic activity fall off in any way. It's continued to improve. So that's probably a good template for what we will see here in the U.S. Even if cases do rise, economic activity probably will not be affected. And, and also the severity of the cases is much lower. So, uh, so once markets get comfortable with that, you know, that, that concern should, should alleviate. And, and then, you know, uh, the other thing is inflation. I mean, there's a little bit of a concern that the Fed is going to be forced to raise interest rates more quickly and and by a greater magnitude because inflation pressures are running you know, fairly hot right now. And the latest inflation print we got this week didn't didn't help uh, because it was it was higher than expected. But we do think inflation will cool uh, as the reopening sort of uh, as we get through sort of the teething pains of reopening, supply catches up with demand. And as a result, you know, the Fed should be able to to stay patient and 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 the risk of choking off the recovery prematurely will decline. So if, if that happens, if we get clarity on the variants and, and their impact and inflation cools, you know, I, I think that would be an environment where where investors would be more willing to pay for the strong economic or strong economic growth and the strong corporate profit growth that we're seeing from value companies, um, you know that that in my mind should unlock the the very attractive valuations that we see right now. I, I mean, value stocks are trading at their deepest discount to growth stocks since the dot com bubble. So there's clearly value here. Uh, I just think you, we need to see uh, some clarity on those two crucial issues. You know, what's happening with the variants and uh, will inflation cool so the Fed doesn't have to really you know, aggressively step on the brakes. And we think both of those do uh, end up panning out in a fashion that supports value. Uh, and that's why we continue to, uh, to, to recommend an overweight to, to value stocks. Throughout the conversation, you have cited an optimistic outlook for the U.S. economy over the next several months, which, of course, is conducive for equity returns. You did cite a couple of key risks just now, of course, the Delta variant coupled with inflation to be mindful of as well. Anything outside of that in terms of risk that you'd like to highlight for us? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the, the big risks are, are those 
Inf- I mean, inflation, the the pandemic itself, um, you know, what what the Fed is doing. And, but look, there are. I would say there's probably a couple of other things. I mean, you know, politics may and and policy may come come back into focus a little bit. Um, you know, we do have uh, the debt ceiling does have to be raised over the next couple of months. Um, you know, it's possible we see some market concerns around that. I mean, I, I think the politicians in Washington understand the implications of not raising the debt ceiling. It would be very, very disruptive to financial markets. So I, I don't think we would ever really see that. Um, but you, you should, you certainly could get some jitters around that. Uh, you know, the obvious and there's also negotiations around the the infrastructure bill going on. I mean, that that should be a bit less impactful, I think, to markets because it is. I mean, that spending would be more spread out over a number of years rather than all the other fiscal packages we've seen, which are which have injected cash into the economy uh, very quickly. Um, but you know that could also cause just some jitters as as you know sort of the posturing uh, on both sides it, it gets louder. Um, but yeah, I would say the main issues, Dan, is is really you know, do we do we see inflation cool or not? We we think we will. And and is the is the pandemic really in the rearview mirror? We we think it mostly is. Um, but obviously, we are, we're watching the variants very closely. David, very productive and insightful conversation today. So thank you for joining us to outline your expectations for the Q2 reporting season, along with outlining your case for value investing and highlighting those key risks that equity investors need to be mindful of. A lot here that we can follow up on. So we'll look forward to having you on again with us soon. Thanks for having me, Dan. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Likewise. And again, today, we've been joined by David Lefkowitz, head of Equities Americas, with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, as well as portfolio allocation. Uh, These resources can all be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. This, of course, includes the publication which David has been making reference to during our conversation today, the Q2 preview note, US. Equities, the song remains the same, bumping up SP 500 earnings and targets. So, for clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topics or receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.
In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.